praise God. Bless God. It's a wonderful morning, isn't it? I woke up this morning and, of course, whoops, the first thing I heard was the pitter-patter of rain on my bedroom window, and I thought, this is so awesome. And then I got to thinking about the rain of the Holy Spirit and how much more awesome that is. And I thought about how refreshing how refreshing it is to get that rain. You know, we haven't had, well, out where we live, we haven't seen rain, and I, Bill and I couldn't even figure out how long. But, you know, so when the rain does come, it's, it's wonderful. It's refreshing. It just sort of makes everything come to life again, makes everything just perky again. So, you know, and the rain of the Holy Spirit does the same thing. It just brings life into things. So this morning, I'm just going to pray, and you all pray with me, and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit here. We're going to invite him to reign upon this congregation this morning. So, Father God, we just come to you. We just lift up our hearts. We lift up our our voices, we lift up our hands, we lift up our souls, we lift ourselves up totally to you, Lord God. And we thank you, Father God, for that beautiful rain this morning. How refreshing. And Lord, we just invite the rain of the Holy Spirit to come in on us now. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we're all going to be so refreshed by it. We're just things that we're feeling dead within us, Lord. They're just going to be coming to life. Life is going to come back. And we just thank you, Father. I ask that you be with me as I present the message this morning, and I ask that you just help me to present it in a clear way, Father. And Lord, we just ask that you be with Chelsea and Glenn and Leslie uh, as they spend time with Glenn's mother, and they come back and be with them in their travels, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So today the, the message is going to be dare to be a roof wrecker. I want you to dare to be a roof wrecker today. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many in here say, I want to be a roof wrecker? Yeah, now the ones of you went, I don't know, I don't know what she's talking about. Well, you're going to know what I'm talking about. So at the end of the message, you'll probably have more opportunity confidently to say, yes, I want to be a roof wrecker today. So we're going to go, and this is a first for me, by the way. I want you all to know that I had double eye surgery, and I am now reading without glasses for the first time in, I had 2200 vision and 2080 vision. I now have 2020 until it gets to here. <laughs> then I have to usually wear reading glasses, but if I keep my papers far enough, I think I can handle it this morning. So we're going to see. You notice I brought my glasses with me just in case. Okay, so we're going to start with Mark 2, uh, 2 through 12, and this is going to be in the New King James Version. And it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not enter the, uh, when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Now I want to stop here just a moment. I want to just explain something that the typical modest house in that day uh, would have been, you know, probably around a one to three room structure, and it would have a flat roof as opposed to the peaked roofs that we typically see around here. So. And there would have been a stairway on the outside of the house leading up the side of the building 
and onto the roof. And if, if any of you have seen documentaries on Jerusalem or documentaries on anything or just movies about uh, time period back then, that's what you saw, right? You see all the flat-roofed houses instead of the peaked ones. So these men said that they uh, carried this paralytic up this building and so it wasn't like they had to, you know, rig up some kind of a, you know, elaborate fancy gear, you know, to, to a pulley system to, you know, get him up there and then just sort of leave him dangling in midair while they dug a hole in the side of the roof. Wasn't like that at all. They went up the side of the building onto the roof where they laid him on his bed and they began to dig a hole in the roof. And so it makes it a little bit easier, but still, I think maybe it must have been a little bit uh, somewhat of a difficult journey for them because they had carried him, and we don't know how far. Uh, we don't know if it was down the block. We don't know if it was 10 miles. We don't know how far they had carried him, but they had carried him on this bed. And I am sure that's four guys carrying this bed. And I'm sure they must have been hurrying along as fast as they could to get their friend to Jesus before it was too late. And because, you know, this might be the last time that Jesus ever came that way. It might be the last opportunity that they would ever have for him to get healed. And I was just thinking about this. I, I just, I love to just play in my mind with the Bible and how the people were. And, you know, because I don't think people were so much different back then as people are today, do you? And so I, I think we all had the same feelings. I think we all probably had the same reactions to things. And I think probably when they, it says it was heard that he was in the house. And I think when they heard that, those four men got so excited. I think they ran down wherever they had to go. I think they got their friend and they, they said, come on, you know, Fred, Fred, you know, we're going to call him Fred. Uh, because I, I get tired of calling him the paralytic on the bed. But, uh, Fred, you know, this is so awesome. This is so cool, Fred. You know, Jesus is in town. Somebody told us that Jesus was in town, and he's in the house. Say, Jesus is in the house. Jesus. Amen. Jesus is in this house. Amen. So they took him down, and they, they put him on the bed, and they were hurrying as fast as they could get there. And... You know, and it was just like everything was going their way. They were hurrying, they were hurrying, and then they were chattering away, you know, and I can just almost hear the excited chatter, can't you? It's like, oh, this is so awesome. This is so cool. Fred, today's your day. Today's your day, Fred. You're going you're gonna to meet Jesus today, Fred. For the first time in your life, you're going to see Jesus, and Jesus is going to see you. And so they were just running along, and they were chattering and, and all these things, and and they said, you know, Fred, you know, you, you may have come here one way, but you're going to go home another. And he said, you may have come here laying flat on your back on that bed, but you're going to go home standing on your own two feet. This is your day. It's your day, Fred. So get your expectors up and begin to believe God for a miracle, Fred. Now, as good as that all sounds, how many of you know that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. And, and the things that we plan, the, the miracles and the, and the healing and the deliverance and, and all these things that we desire from God don't always necessarily happen the way God has them planned. So these guys had a plan, and with all good, you know, their intentions were good. It was a good plan, 
It was a good plan. They were going to get their friend. They were going to get him on the bed. They were going to run him down the street. And they were going to get to the house where Jesus was. And they were just going to waltz through the door right into the presence of Jesus. But the closer they got, they noticed like a steady stream of people that came rushing past him, heading in the same direction. And by the time they got to the house where Jesus was, there was like, they couldn't see anything but just like an ocean of people <laughs> surrounding the house. And, and not only was the house completely filled, the Bible says that it was completely filled, not only was it completely filled, but there was such a huge amount of people in the overflow room, which was outside, you know, that they were blocking the entire door and they could not get in. And when I first started this teaching, I had this whole thing about, you know, feeling how disappointed they were and how discouraged they were and how they just wanted to quit and all this stuff. And then as I was studying yesterday, I felt the Lord just brought back to my heart. No, these were men of faith. These were men of faith. And the Bible proves out here in a little bit, we'll read that, where these were definitely men of faith. So... As, as most people would be discouraged, as most people would want to just give up and go home and just say, oh, Fred, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. This must not be your day. Oh, Fred, I'm so sorry. Fred, it must not be God's will for you to get healed today. But as I said, these men that we're talking about, these four men that carried Fred down the street, they were men of faith. And I believe is that as they stood there sort of catching their breath from, you know, packing that bed and packing Fred down the street and assessing the situation, I think a light bulb came on in one of their heads. And it's like, Doom! and he looks at the others and he said, why don't we take Fred to the roof? Why don't we go up those side stairs because there's nobody over there? They're all wanting to get in the door. So why don't we go in the side stairs, go up the stairs, go to the roof, and I don't care if we have to wreck that roof, but this is going to be your day, Fred. This is going to be your day. And the Bible goes on to say when they had broken through. So I just want to ask, how many of you in here of you today needs a breakthrough? How many of you need a breakthrough today? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> How many of you have been close to a breakthrough, but then because of the obstacles that you saw in your path, you gave up, never knowing what was going to happen next. You gave up because of the obstacles in your path. It was too hard. There were too many obstacles. But if you give up, you know what happens? You never know when your breakthrough was because you never got it. Did y'all get that? Y'all, okay. <laughs> but these men, these men were men of determined faith. They were men of daring faith. God knows they were daring because they just went up on somebody else's roof. You know, uh, we don't exactly even know who the roof belonged to, but they went up there and they began to, to rip up the roof. They did not let discouragement rob them of their miracle. They didn't let any obstacles stop them from getting their miracle. 
And I, you know, just picture this too. There's Jesus. He's in the house. And, and he's surrounded by people. I mean, he's preaching to a packed packed crowd. You know, it's a packed house there. And he's preaching to this, and then they hear this. <laughs> Keep doing that. This scratching. This scratching noise. And they're, they're wondering, you know, what's, what's that? Where's that coming from? What's going on? And they listen, and, and then all of a sudden, dirt starts coming in on their head. Straw starts coming in on them. And, and just as they look up, they see this, this hole. Now, when we think about a hole in the roof, most people think, well, they dug a hole in the roof. No. This is a hole that had to be big enough to lower a man in his bed down through this hole. So as they looked up, they saw this big hole in this dude's house, in his roof, and four faces peeking down at him. And then all of a sudden, the faces disappear. It's like everybody's standing there going, what? You know, what, just, what just happened? These guys just tore up the roof and there's faces. That, nobody's there. Now they're gone. And then just as they're thinking that, what happens? A bed starts coming down. It starts being lowered in, through that hole down into the room where Jesus was. And as it got closer and closer, as they carefully lowered him down, it got closer and closer until he was face to face with Jesus. He got eyeball to eyeball with Jesus, face to face with his healer, face to face with the great I am. And he sees Jesus' eyes for the very first time. And those eyes are fixed on him. And verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, the Amplified Bible says, when Jesus saw their active faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Did you know that Jesus can see your faith? Jesus can actually see your faith. He can visibly see your faith because he sees our faith in our actions, doesn't he? And their faith had an action. Their faith drove them to go up the side of the house and tear somebody's roof up. You know, uh, that's not advisable. You know, don't try this at home kind of things, you know, or don't try this at your neighbor's house. It was, you know... You might, it might not work that way for you. <laughs> but faith is an action word. And then uh, verse 6, it says, And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they had reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? To the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or say, arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And then I love this. It's like he's talking to them. He's sort of admonishing them, you know, putting them in their place. And then he just ignores them. He just turns around and he says to the paralytic, he said, I say to you, arise. And God is saying to some of you out here today, you need to rise up. Arise. And he said, I say to you, arise, Fred. Take up, that's not in the scripture, <laughs> by the way, just in case you're wondering. I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your home. And, it, and the Bible tells us he didn't waste any time at all. It says immediately, immediately, 
he arose, he took up the bed, and he went out in the presence of them all so that all, everybody there, everybody in the house, all that massive crowd that blocked the door, all the people that were still filtering in trying to see Jesus, it said they all were amazed. And they glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this before. I don't imagine they had. So it really was Fred's day, wasn't it? Amen. Not only was he healed, but Jesus forgave him of his sins. And there is a correlation between the two, between being healed and getting forgiveness of your sins. That is a teaching for another day. We won't go into that, but there is a definite correlation between those two. Uh, A few years ago, I taught a message entitled Deliberate Faith. Excuse me. And I thought I could have actually titled this one Deliberate Faith Part (laughs) 2. But I really, really, really liked the wreck and the roof deal. And it seemed to fit really well. Now, a generic definition of deliberate is intentional. It's intentional, Cy. (laughs) He said something about that earlier. Purposeful. Carefully thought out and intentional. And I got this word deliberate from Mark 5:25 where it tells of a woman who had an issue of blood. This is another Bible story about deliberate faith. And it tells of this little woman, we've all heard this story. We all know this story about a little lady who had had an infirmity for 12 years that had left her weak It had left her powerless, it had left her discouraged, and it had left her financially broke from all the doctors that she had visited and all the treatments that they had given her. And the Bible tells us that through all of this doctoring, through all of these treatments, through through a period of 12 years, that through all of that she was none the better. In fact, she only grew worse. She was running out of time. She was running out of money. But little did she know that a divine appointment was awaiting her. And we're going to jump to Mark for just a minute, Mark 5, 27. And after having gone all of these things for 12 years, and the Bible tells us all about it in Mark, it said, but one day, but one day. I love that, but one day. For 12 years, this woman had been sick. For 12 years, she had been rejected. For 12 years, she had lived in desperation. For 12 years, she had been told by numerous doctors and physicians that she couldn't be helped. But one day. So what happened to her on that day that had not happened in the previous 4,380 days? Yes, I did the math. (laughs) Just, Just to be just to be smart here. Verse 27 said, but one day she heard about Jesus. That's what happened on that one day. She heard about Jesus and something strong, something determined, something that she had never before felt in her life began to rise up within her. 
Now, we know that she had, ho had hope before, right? Because the Bible tells us that she had gone to many physicians and had suffered many treatments or, uh, well, we'll just call it treatments. And some of those, you know, I've seen some of these documentaries and things and read a little bit about some of the, the treatments that they have. I mean, some of these things are bizarre. You know, when you compare it to the medicine today, of course, some of the medicine we have today is kind of bizarre. But, you know, uh, it was kind of, it was really bizarre back then. And she had suffered all those things for 12 years. But then that one day, that one day, she heard about Jesus. And that thing began to rise up on inside of her. And the hope that she had had before all those years going to the doctors, going getting treatments, and every hope that she ever had being dashed. But one day, someone, someone told her about Jesus. And renewed hope began to rise up. And that little gal who had been weak, that little gal who had been so frustrated, that little gal who had been so weary, she grew deliberate in her faith that day. She grew intentional in her faith that day. She grew determined in her faith that day. And we know the story, don't we? She got to Jesus. She reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said to her, and I'm taking this from Luke 8:46 out of the New Living Translation. It said, Jesus said, as she touched him, he said, someone deliberately touched me. Someone with a purpose. Someone with intention. Someone determined. And someone who was daring enough to, to push through every obstacle that faced her had reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Now I want you to know that not everybody there was deliberate in their faith that day. That's obvious. Not everyone had a purpose. Not everyone was determined. You know, just recall the, you know, the context of that, that there were masses of people there. Everywhere Jesus went, there was always masses of people. There were crowds of people. And so, so you know, for him to have been touched by someone was like, probably. You know, probably, that, that doesn't seem you know, unreal to me, that he could be standing there and these masses of people could be pushing against him. They could be, you know, brushing up against him and touching him. But you know what? She was the only one that got healed that day that we know of, that the scriptures tell us, that she was the one, the someone that got healed that day. And it would have been so easy for her just to say, I can't do this today. Not today. I'm too weak. It's been a rough, a rough week, and I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just feeling so sick, and I'm so weak. And the crowds are too big, and they're pushy, and they're rude. You know, it's like, well, I can't go to church today. <laughs> I'm too tired. And the crowds there are big and pushy, and well, never mind. <laughs> We won't go into that. Uh, <laughs> but she could have used any number of excuses not to put herself out there again. Any number of, of excuses not to have one more person disappoint and reject her. But she heard 
someone had told her about Jesus, about this healer. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. These people that we've been talking about, these four men and this little lady, they all heard, didn't they? And faith came. It was enough faith for these guys to dare to believe in the impossible. It was enough faith for this little lady to get off of her bed of discouragement and depression and rise up and get to Jesus. Push through those obstacles. Push through those crowds in her weakened and fatigued uh, condition. And Jesus said, my daughter, your faith has made you whole. And I had this down yesterday. And <clears throat> Excuse me. I was studying, just the end of my studying yesterday and, and reading through this and, and I came to that again and it, and it just sort of stood out at me. It says, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. And I thought, you know, I think I know what whole means. But I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. So I'm going to read this to you if I can find it. I've got it written down here somewhere. I thought I did. Okay. So I looked up the definition of wholeness, right? I love definitions. They change everything. Jesus said, your faith, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. This is what whole means. Wholeness. Free of wound or injury. Unbroken. Uncut. Recovering or recovered from a wound or an injury, being healed, free of defect or impairment, physically sound and healthy, free of disease and deformity, mentally and emotionally sound. Can anybody say glory? Because this is what Jesus did for her. He didn't just heal her infirmity that she had had for 12 years. That would have been wonderful. But he didn't just do that. He went on and he made her free of any wounds or injuries. He, he made her recover from the wounds and injuries that she had had. He left her unbroken. She had been broken people for years, but he left her unbroken. He left her uncut. He healed her. He made her free of any defect or impairment. He left her physically sound and healthy, free of any disease or deformity, and he left her mentally and emotionally sound. He made her complete. She was complete when she left there that day. And she went, she went off in peace. Do you get the connection? Do you get the connection between being whole and having peace now? I mean, when, when Jesus does all of that for you, if you don't have peace, <laughs> there's something wrong. You know, there's just something really wrong. Praise God. And the Lord spoke something to me, you know, about Jesus yesterday. And I thought, this is so cool. In fact, it turned out, it'll probably, you'll probably hear me preach it someday. But Jesus was telling me all these things that he had done for her. And I was reading these definitions and I was thinking, my Lord, you did all of this for her. I thought you did this. But you did all of this. 
because she had deliberate faith that day. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, yes, I never do anything halfway. The Lord will not do anything halfway. And the sermon title that he gave me is maybe one of the best ones I've ever been given. And it's called Jesus Doesn't Run a Halfway House. (laughs) Amen? Jesus doesn't do it halfway. Jesus goes all the way for you. So when he heal, he'll not only heal you, but he'll deliver you. He'll not only save you, but he will give you everlasting peace and joy. He'll give you an abundant life, an abundant life. That abundant life, you want me to read them again? I won't take the time to read them again, but what I just read you that he did for her, that was abundant life. And he gave it to her because she was deliberate that day. She got out of that bed that day because someone had told her about Jesus Christ. Glory. Glory, hallelujah. I, I love that. I love that title, Jesus Doesn't Run a Halfway House. You all remember that because you're going to hear me preach that someday. <laughs> I just feel that in my spirit right now, you know. But for some of you, your one day could be today. Today could be your one day, Kathy. Today. That could be your one day. Today could be the day of your deliverance. Today could be the day of your healing. Today could be the day of salvation. It could be the day of the financial breakthrough that you waited for. But as I said before, if you give up, you'll never know what that one day, when that one day was. It could just pass you by if you give up. If you get your eyes on obstacles instead of on the Lord, then you'll never know when it came and went. And it could have been your day. So, we're going to talk about the paralytics again just for a little bit. Not only did they have deter... Or not the uh, paralytics, but the guys that carried him, carried Fred. Okay? Not only did they have determined faith, they had daring faith. They had active faith. They had deliberate faith. They had purpose. And they were determined. They were intentional because they had heard that Jesus was in the house. This little lady who'd laid on that bed for 12 years discouraged, rejected, hurt. Did you all know that a woman in her condition was considered unclean by the Jewish community? So she would have been totally, totally alone, totally rejected. But one day, one day, somebody come by and they told her about this Jesus. They told her that Jesus was in town. Things happen, folks. When people hear that Jesus is in the house. Things begin to happen when people hear about Jesus, period, don't they? Blind eyes see. Deaf ears hear. The lame begin to leap and run. The dead rise. Infirmities are cured. Demons are cast out. People rip off roofs, you know? All when they hear about Jesus, our Jesus. Wonderful things happen when we hear about Jesus. And we don't know who told those four men about Jesus. And we don't know who told our little lady about Jesus. But I want you to just think for a minute. Using their example and what happened to them... How important do you think it is that we tell people about Jesus? It's life and death. It's life and death. 
Romans 10, 15 says, as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings, good things. I think the gospel's a good thing, don't you? I think salvation's a good thing. I think deliverance is a good thing. I think healing is a good thing. And the Amplified Bible says, puts it this way, how wonderful is the coming of the messengers who bring good news. And that's why God sees it as a wonderful, beautiful thing. When we, with our mouths, begin to declare the gospel, declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of peace and salvation and deliverance and freedom. James 2.20 says, Faith without works is dead. These men had a faith that persisted in the spite of the obstacles. She had a faith that persisted in the spite of the obstacles. These men, their faith persisted when it looked like it was impossible. That door's blocked. People are not about to give up their, their place in line for this man. So it looked like it was impossible for them to get to Jesus. It looked like it was impossible for her to ever be healed. I mean, she'd, she'd gone the, the extra mile and then some folks, every doctor she could get to, you know, spent all of her money. Her situation, she must have woke up every day of 12 years thinking, it's hopeless. It's impossible. But how many of you know that faith lives in the impossible? I stole that from Glenn. <laughs> he said that the other night, and I just thought that was so good, that faith lives in the impossible. And I've really been meditating on that. And so, Glenn, you know, I, I know I stole it from you, but if you're listening to this live, thanks. And... So, but I, I want to take it one step further, and I know Glenn won't mind if I do, but I thought, not only does faith live in the impossible, faith thrives in the impossible. Faith thrives in the impossible because the impossible is where you see the miracles. The impossible is where we see the hand of God at work. Matthew 19, 26 says, Jesus said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, finish it for me, folks. All things. All things. Not some things. Not just the things that we think are possible. All things are possible. Yay. So if you have financial problems today. I want to speak to a couple people in here today. The Lord placed on my heart. There's a couple people in here that need to hear this today. If you're having financial problems today and with men it looks like it's impossible, I want you to know that with God all things are possible. And that family situation that somebody has in here today, that... Um, I don't, I don't know how to put this delicately, but just, just a, a bad family situation, and it just, you just done everything you know to make this thing better, but it, it, it isn't happening. Things just look worse. It's like the little lady, you know, with the issue of blood, she spent all of her money, she went to every doctor, took every treatment, but things only got worse. Somebody in here is facing that today. You have a family 
situation that to the normal eye, to all men, it looks impossible to put this thing back under the headship of Jesus. It looks impossible with men. But with God, all things, I'll reiterate, all things are possible. You know, I'm sure those four guys thought that that door was the only door. You know, it was the only way for them to get their friend in. But what does Jesus say? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the light. So when it's always impossible in the eyes of men, it's always possible in the eyes of God. And Jesus is saying to him, he said, I know you thought that door was your only opportunity. I know that you didn't see. But you know what? When you can't see a way and that door is blocked and nothing's letting you through so that you can acquire the dreams that you had and you can't do it because there's obstacles in the way, look up. Look up. Because there's a better way. Jesus is that way. He said, he said, God is calling you to a higher way. Look up. There's another, there's another door up there. There's another way up there. Just look up. Get your eyes off the situation. Get your eyes off the circumstances. Realize that your plan, what you had planned, may not have ever been God's plan to begin with. Maybe the door that you've been trying to push through, maybe the door that you think is the only way to get to your dreams, to get to whatever you need fulfilled, maybe it wasn't your door to begin with. Might not have been the door that God wanted you to go through. So in closing today, I just want to say something. I hope this sticks in your mind. That when you can't go through the door, go through the roof. Amen? There's a better way. There's a better way. Your plans might not be God's plans. And if God opens the door, it will remain open. But if God closes the door, then you don't want it anyway. Fire, cause fear.